You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Hello, mates. Welcome back to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. I'm joined here today by Rick and Anna, who have assured me they're doing well. And we've got two very special guests for you today. Um, we just wanted to sit down and talk about game development and modern classic style games and all that fun stuff that goes along with it and um, we're very lucky to have two amazing people with us today one would be aviv or cosmic void and the other is dave you might know him better as captain disaster welcome to the show mates how are you doing hi good yeah thanks thanks for having us absolutely thank you for coming on <laughs> so for those listening who might be unaware the the primary project that you that you mates are working on is a corruption within um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe, uh, Dave, you're doing the, the writing for it, and Aviv, you're doing the art and programming? That's right, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm doing the art and, and coding, yeah. He's, he's basically doing all the work. <laughs> <laughs> That's like with me and Paul. Paul does everything, and I just criticize. <laughs> Both are important. <laughs> yeah, criticizing is, is exhausting. <laughs> it can be tough work. Well, anyway, we're glad to, glad to have you guys on the show and figured, you know, just wanted to sit down and talk a little bit about influences and, and game development and, and how you both found yourselves in the positions that you're making a Corruption Within, um, which is just a gorgeous looking game. I'm personally very, very excited about it. Um, Thank you. Of course, of course. Yeah, I figured we could talk a bit, maybe a little bit about your, uh, your, your past history, some of the other games that you've worked on up until this point and... Yeah, kind of go from there. So I guess I guess to start, being being a responsible host instead of saying, you know, here's a question both of you answer, so that way you both are guaranteed to talk over each other and and things like that. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and organize it better. So I'll say we'll, we'll start uh, start with Aviv. What was your main influence uh, as far as gaming is concerned? What's the reason you are making games today? Um, are you asking? In, um, games in general, or uh, game development, or um... yeah, I guess kind of both. Maybe maybe take us through a little bit of, of what got you into games in general, and and then what mm. got you into crossing that that line into making them. Yeah, you might have to go way back. <laughs> okay, so you go way back. Um, mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I was playing mainly shmups on my Genesis, Sega Genesis. Uh, we didn't really have a uh, modern. Um, gaming computer. I had this ancient machine with a black and white monitor that only had chess for a game. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, that was until the mid-90s. Uh, we got a Pentium 2, I think, 686. Um, you might hear my cat in the background, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and um, most, of my, most of the games I had were um, consisted of CDs I borrowed from friends. Um, I think it was around the mid-90s when I uh, played my first adventure game. Uh, I was uh, in the fourth grade, perhaps nine years old or something. I uh, vividly remember one very particular English class. Uh, I was asked to read a piece of text out loud. Uh, my pronunciation was absolutely awful. Um, I couldn't pronounce TH, for example, so thin was tin, V was D, etc. Still, I thought I did a, I did 
sort of okay. And then the teacher said, well, that wasn't very good, was it? Um, <laughs> so I can't remember whose idea was it, my mother's or mine, that I should take some private lessons. And so I did. And the teacher was um, a very nice lady, a neighbor of ours. And I think it was about, I was in the third lesson, and Nita just left mm -hmm. when I arrived. And she had installed a video game on my teacher's computer. And I remember being so excited about the beautiful cartoonish graphics and, um, mm. you know, clicking around, moving the character about the screen, even though I had no idea what the story was about. And that mm. game was Day of the Tentacle. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, needless to say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and needless to say, we played uh, the hack out of it and that mm -hmm. lesson and done very little in terms of, uh, let's say, grammar practice. <laughs> so that's one of my first memories of playing a computer game. Uh, with regards to game development, uh, we go. We have to go to 2019. Um, I was replaying some of my favorite adventure games that, mm. incidentally enough, were games made using the AGI engine. Uh, mm. You know, ancient game from the 80s. Um, now, I don't know for certain why in particular those are my favorite, Perhaps it's nostalgia, mm -hmm. or um, the fact that I was and still am so enamored with the art style. They're beautiful. And, um, <laughs> and then, actually, I replayed some fan-made games made with the, with the engine, such as um, Enclosure, yeah. which <laughs> I know Rick is not uh, a huge fan of, and uh, yeah. Space Quest okay Replicated. Um, another one was Space Quest Replicated and Time Quest, games that mm -hmm. were absolutely amazing in terms, um, in my mind, and uh, rival those of Sierra uh, in terms of art and puzzles. And then I had this urge to create a game myself. Mm. Um, I had never drawn before or coded anything. Um, mm. I had to look up guides how to do pixel art. And uh, I met up with a friend who is a programmer to show me the ropes a bit. And mm. after a week or two, I felt confident enough to start uh, coding my own game. Uh, that was wow. the beginning of Void Breach. <laughs> mm, and nice. that was my long answer. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That, that's exactly the kind of answers we're looking for. It's perfect. <laughs> mm. And Dave, how about you, Meg? Uh, what's your what's your order? Um, I'm getting the feeling I'm a bit older than Aviv. Because my first computer was a ZX81. Uh, first game I remember was 3D Monster Race, which was uh, scary as hell when I was that young. Um, then I went through Commodore 16, Spectrum, Atari ST. Mm -hmm. And it was on the Atari ST that I started playing graphic adventure games. And um, I've never really been much into the Sierra games, to be honest. It's all the, always the Lucasfilm games that appealed to me. So the first game I really loved was Zack McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. Mm -hmm. Awesome game. Which was just simply mind-blowing. And uh, it took us two years to complete. <laughs> and when we completed it, it was like, we, we, we don't need to play it anymore. What, what's, what is the purpose of life from this point? <laughs> Anyway, fortunately, um, they'd made some other games, so that was good. Um, and then Secret of Monkey Island, um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and that was kind of, it kind of fixed me as graphic adventure was my, my 
uh, favourite genre from that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, I discovered AGS, the Adventure Game Studio. Uh, the first game made for that that I played was Rob Blank, Better Days of a Defender of the Universe. Yeah. Uh, started playing a lot of their games. And it took years to be honest, but then I started getting involved with the community and the forum a little bit. Uh, then I helped out with one or two games, and then it just mushrooms from there uh, until eventually I spent six years with uh, a fantastic guy in the States who goes by the online handle of the Bit Priest, making Captain's Disaster in Death Has a Million Stomping Boots. Um, met Aviv on Twitter more or less by chance. Uh, he just happened to mention a very vague idea for a game and that's kind of the origin of, <laughs> of the working together on the corruption within. I've got to say I'm surprised to hear that, that you weren't a, um, necessarily you know a huge Sierra fan because Captain Disaster captures the spirit of say Space Quest really well the the, the humor mm-hmm. it's it's kind of it's it's light and breezy in, in a good way but it's yeah it's, I don't know it's it's it really captures the the uh, I don't know the the style the vibe of, of Space Quest. I mean that's that's purely coincidental, I think. I, I guess my main influences for that game were really Red Dwarf and Hitchhiker's Guide. Right. Nice. Um, I did try playing a Space Quest game once, and I, I think it was the fourth game, uh-huh. and I was really excited to try it. And uh, on the first screen, this robot just killed me within five seconds. <laughs> and after about ten goes, I thought, this isn't fun. I'm not having fun here, so I never played it again. Um <laughs> I know there's a there's a fan game called Space Quest Incinerations. I think that's yeah. I think that's the right name. Yeah. And I have played that, and I have to admit, I did enjoy it, and I did see, I did see a bit of Captain Disaster in Roger Wilco, or vice versa. So mm. yeah, there are similarities. My my co-dev on that game was a big Sierra fan, so mm-hmm. maybe he put a few little influences in before I was even aware of it. So. Yeah, I'm not sure, or maybe it's just great minds thinking alike. Yeah. <laughs> that could be yeah. it. it. Could be it, right? It's not impossible. <laughs> so, so you like Sierra games as long as uh, they weren't made by Sierra. You know, they got a good a good Incinerations <laughs> fan game. <laughs> maybe the only one I've ever played. I, I I did play King's Quest, but that moat at the beginning yeah uh, killed me so many times. <laughs> um, but fortunately, the um, uh, what are they called? The AGD Interactive remakes right. mm-hmm. of that were really mm-hmm. good. And uh, I I developed a little bit more patience with those than possibly with the originals. Yeah, all right, fair enough. So you said that you guys you guys had met on Twitter. What's, how yeah. did the, how does the, because Dave, uh, you're, you're in the UK and Aviv, you're in, you're in Israel. What, how does how, how does that work? I mean, uh, granted, I'm, I am working on a project now with Rick. I'm in the States. He's in Canada. So, I mean, I know it's all possible, but but how do people from, you know, d- kind of, uh, an ocean apart, if you will. All right, that's a bit dramatic, but you know what I mean. How, how do you how did you guys come together and decide on, you know, the, the genre, the, the story, you know, everything about corruption within? Mm. So, um. As I said, I started working on uh, Void Breach in 2018, which is um, when I started using Twitter. And um, I think Dave was one of the first people to follow. Um, and we talked about um, indie game development and our experiences. And um, 
I can't quite remember how, but the idea of maybe trying something together, together just cropped up eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a thing. Um, early 2020, just after the release of Void Breach, maybe. Yeah, it sounds about right. I, I think I'd originally asked you about doing some, um, just doing some sprites for a, a um, turn-based strategy game that I had in mind. Mm. Yeah, uh, one of my famous rapid game development ideas that never actually <laughs> happens at all. <laughs> there were quite a few of those, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, I think David, I think you just mentioned an idea for a game that you'd had, and um, I don't know. We just took it from there. I think was, as far as I remember, all we had was some kind of mystery involving a mansion with a lake in front of mm. it. Right, and that was that was kind of the first bit, and it's all all spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> I, I remember uh, looking for inspiration, and uh, I came upon this. Um, I don't know, no, no, but I came upon a, a game book. Have you heard of those? Mm-hmm. Choose your like, own adventure, like choose your own adventure books? kind of things. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like um, so, um, escape and stuff. Yeah, I used to read uh, a lot of those as, as a kid. So this particular mm-hmm. one was House of Hell. Um, hmm. I don't remember the story much, but I remember loving the art. Uh, in particular, there was a drawing of a man hanging from a rope. Uh, and I thought it was pretty cool and terrifying and immediately proceeded mm-hmm. to draw my own man hanging in the forest. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's how it began, yeah. I think. Yeah, when I was, I was looking at uh, playing the, through the demo of, of Corruption Within, I think one of the big things that stands out is the, is the atmosphere. It's it's just it's got a lovely uh, uh, just a it's very alive. It feels it feels like it's like alive and breathing. And there's the, the color palettes that we've used is uh, I'm just enamored with. Uh, your artwork is very very oh, inspiring, thanks. mate. No, I, yeah, <laughs> sincerely, sincerely, I, I really really love it. I, like I would have said that even if I didn't mean it because we're on a podcast and everyone's listening. <laughs> smile for the people, but I, I sincerely mean it. It's it is really really. Well, particularly great great pixel art so there's thought going into a lot of things you know like little things i appreciate one click to advance text two clicks to advance Mm. passing the speech you know and then you can Uh completely just bypass it at that point it it waits for you before progressing like i really appreciate those details yeah Mm. so i think you you will like it in the in the uh, next version it will be the text display speed will be much faster because mm-hmm. I think people yeah, I like complained that. it was too slow in the demo. <laughs> I was, I, I did find I was clicking through it before they were done talking, but I did like the the voice work actually, and and the writing is really good. So, with regards mm-hmm. to the palette, um, Paul mentioned it. Um, what I, I had in mind was a limited palette. Nice. Um, perhaps it grew a bit monstrous in the end, but originally I wanted a limited palette of dark, highly saturated colors uh, to suit the story and um, nighttime setting. I think if you look at some of the earlier screenshots that Aviv did, we were looking at a more mm-hmm. sort of surreal art style, but we've gradually tended to go much more towards realism now, um, which mm-hmm. which fits the, mm-hmm. the game itself. We've tried to make everything as realistic as possible. So um, when, when Aviv told me how recently he'd actually started drawing, I just couldn't believe it, considering how good he is. Yeah, yeah that was frustrating news for me to receive as well. like damn it (laughs) i think your art is fantastic oh thank you mate thank you it is no it's beautiful 
All of so you guys are just so creative. I'm just happy to be able to talk to all y'all. So, oh. I don't create anything. I tear Paul's work down. <laughs> that takes creativity too. It's, it's all a no, part of the process. Destruction. <laughs> it's creative as an arsonist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the? I'm curious about the decision behind uh, first person, which is is quite refreshing. It's not something mm -hmm. that we see often. I mean, I, I would only really probably associate first person in adventure games with with something like Mist, but it uh, it doesn't really have a, a mist kind of vibe um i mean that in a good way because i'm not i'm not a huge fan of mist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think the inspiration for this came from manhunter um mm -hmm. two games mm -hmm. made by sierra again in the late 80s beautiful art style first person and uh, that way you can avoid uh, animating a character walking about. Mm. <laughs> uh, well played. <laughs> <laughs> and so how much, how much of the process, uh, Dave, you're, you're doing the writing for it, mate. Is it, how much of the game are you kind of directing art-wise? Like, do you, do you just let, let Aviv do what he's going to do and, and go with it? Or do you guys kind of talk over scenes? How's that work? I mean, mainly I just let Aviv go with it because he's, He's the artist and he, he knows what he's doing. He'll occasionally ask me what I think or um, ask for ideas. But I think the the artistic interpretation of the game is pretty much all Aviv's. Um, apart from when I've given him specific inventory items or items on the screen, for instance, he obviously needs to then draw those. And I noticed you guys, you're not, I, I, I believe uh, in, a, in a private off-air conversation, Aviva told me that you're, you're not using AGS, and, and Dave, that's kind of been no. your mm -hmm. cornerstone. So how did, how did that come about, switching engines? Um, well, it was either I do the coding, or we don't use AGS. So <laughs> Fair enough. Use <laughs> I mean, ev everything, ag everything about this game is kind of the polar opposite of what I normally do. It's first person, it, it's a very sort of serious, moody game. Um, I'm so much more comfortable with third person, obviously a lot of comedy in my games. Um, so I, I had to change my entire mindset in, in terms of how I look at game design to do this, which was, which was a good challenge. But yeah, I, looking at it now, I don't think this, this type of game would really work in third person. No, I, don't really, I can't really put my finger on why but there's something about the immediacy of you being the player character looking through the character's eyes that I don't think a third-person game could really capture the mood for this game. Yeah, there, there is a certain level of immersion, I guess you could say, with first-person, where you, you, you know, instead of you're the avatar, you're in the game. You kind of bypass the avatar. Mm -hmm. We kind of played a game like that in our Halloween uh group two, the Blackstone Chronicles game, the one that I wanted you guys to play, and at least you played, Paul, but it's the same. It's kind of the click, and uh, you don't get to see yourself. You're just watching things happen on the screen, and it, it does definitely give you that sense of immersion, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I guess I'll, I'll take a step back uh, timeline-wise to, to Void Breach, because I did want to touch on that a little bit, because I, 
Uh, I love that game. I it's oh, one of those moments where, <laughs> of course, you know, it's one of those cool moments where when I when I met you and I was like, oh god, you know, he's such a such a lovely guy, and and I was like, Void Breach, okay, I need to go go support him. Let's go buy it, and I jumped into my my Steam library, and it was already there. I was like, all oh, right, oh. cool. I'm not, <laughs> not. I had already purchased it like a good boy, um, which I, which you know I, I do tend to do anything that looks you know. Mm-hmm. Any any Pixar adventure game I'm going to buy basically, but especially if it's got a an AGI kind of aesthetic. So um, I was just wondering if you could just tell tell the listeners a little bit about Void Breach. Um, as, you know, if if they haven't heard about it, kind of introduce them to the idea of it. Sure, it's a um, it's a two uh, D adventure game <laughs> um, that tries to capture the style of eighties uh, Sierra adventure games. So the art is very blocky. Um, 16 colors mostly because at the time uh, it wasn't obvious to me that if you choose a certain palette you have to stick to it so every now and then i uh, you know mm-hmm. picked colors outside of the palette um it's heavily inspired by um oh, clearly games made mm-hmm. by sierra at the time um some of the art is inspired again by manhunter um like you have all these colorful trees, mm-hmm. yellow and green or purple. So that's definitely Manhunter. It's about a scientist um, who's looking for his daughter mm-hmm. uh, who disappeared in an accident. Uh, so it's a bit sci-fi, a bit fantasy, uh, a bit quirky. And uh, yeah, it was the first game we made. It was a joy to do. Yeah, it's a beautiful game. To 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 those listening, go go check it out. You can find it on Steam. It's a, it's a it's a gorgeous game. Thank you. Uh, anybody that likes likes AGI. Yeah, that uh, definitely gives me that whole uh, King's Quest One Gold Rush kind of a feel going to it. And Captain Disaster Day on on your side. That's a, that's another lovely game. I was introduced by um, Troels. Did the did a playthrough video. I mean trolls, Troels. I don't know how to you know say it, but. I know, I know who you mean. Yeah, Space Quest yeah. story. There we go. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I was was enamored with that game. It was. I started watching the 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 walkthrough and I was or the Trolls' playthrough, and I was like, I should I should stop here before it's spoiled and go play it. But I I couldn't turn it off, so I ended up just just finishing the the uh, his his playthrough of it. But it was uh, it was a really funny game. The the voice work was was. Uh, Particularly remarkable. I really, really enjoyed it, and I liked your play on the different regions, uh, regional accents, and things like that, like with the um, the salesman. And I particularly really enjoyed the remarkable voice acting work on that, doing the different regions of, of the UK and things like that. Um, did you do any or all of the voice acting? Um, not all of it. I mean, I I voiced Captain Disaster because uh, I I don't know. I'd, I'd written the short stories before, but I'd always uh, sort of years ago, but I'd always had in mind that it would make a good adventure game. And I I don't know, in my head, I think I had Captain Disaster down as having this sort of slow, um, sudden draw, you know, like maybe Owen Wilson's type of voice. Right. And, and then one day, this was after I'd moved to Birmingham, mm-hmm. which had, they have a partic- very particular accent. And one day I thought, do you know what? <laughs> I think Captain Disaster would be a brummy. <laughs> so I just, I just, I just developed this voice like this, and that's that's what I used to. It's it's actually based more on a friend of mine who is black, was born in the black country, but moved to Brummie. So his his mm. accent's kind of a little bit of a merge of both those accents. 
So it's kind of very distinct and very... Uh, you've got some very elongated sounds, which I tend to exaggerate when I'm voicing Captain Disaster. And the Bit Priest, when he... I was doing a video with him during development at one stage, and his son walked in the room, and he said, Dad, that sounds like Captain Disaster. <laughs> so that was quite good. Although I was doing my normal voice at that point, so I'm not really sure how, to, how I should take that. Um, I actually got someone at work to do the speeder saleswoman who um, eventually turns to a Brummie accent. Yeah. I tried on the AGS forums to get some people to have a go at the Brummie accent. <laughs> the only person who actually tried was German. <laughs> and I have no idea what it was that she did, but, you know, she, she had a go, which was good. But I thought, no, I've got to have a natural Brummie for this because it's just completely mental. Uh, having, having, a, having a heavy German accent Aww. trying to sound Brummy when she didn't actually know what Brummy sounded like. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, 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 had, we had loads of fun. The Bit Priest um, did the general, whose voicing I really love. Um, yeah. the, the, right at the end of the game. Um, we ended up with quite a few different people, mostly from the AGS mm -hmm. forums. And as these things go, they were from all over the world, America, Canada, Finland, whatever. We, we just uh, we just ended up with probably about a dozen different voice actors. But um, I, I think I did about four or five different characters in that game. It was It was a lot of fun voicing for that. Although when I did the talking pizza, I'd written this, I'd written this line, and I must have done about a hundred takes because it was a. Well, this, uh, do you mean the calciferous formation of? And I was trying to do it with this really dodgy Sicilian accent. Um, so, so it reminded me of um, what Harrison Ford said about George Lucas: like you can write it, but can you actually say it? And <laughs> Unfortunately for me, I'd both written it and found I couldn't say it. <laughs> but I, I decided to persevere rather than rewrite it. And I'm hoping that no one in the, is actually noticing the game. And yeah, people should buy it, definitely. If you haven't bought it, you should definitely buy it. At least 100 mm. copies each. Yeah. <laughs> so I was curious, if since you guys kind of are coming from slightly different backgrounds i mean you're both you're both coming from backgrounds of, of adventure games which is niche enough to not have to subdivide it into any more you know segregation or whatever but but considering you know aviv you've got a lot of influence it sounds like from manhunter and from from things on the sierra side and dave you from the lucas side if you guys could make each other play a game to better understand what you love in adventure games what would you make each other play do you want to go first dave is this because you can't think of one? <laughs> well, I can think of plenty of Sierra games. Uh. <laughs> I, I think if, if it was one game, um, and I won't pick Day of the Tentacle, because we've said he's already played that, I probably would go for Curse of Monkey Island. Mm. Curse. Is, is this the, the first one? Yeah, the third, third one. Third one. Mm -hmm. Oh, the third. I never played that one. Yeah, I mean... I. I know a lot of people love the second game. I I don't know why. I just never quite got on with it as much as the other ones. Um, but the third, with the, the cartoony graphics and the even though it has a verb coin, which I, I really hate verb coins, but despite that, just I don't know the the humor and the puzzles. Just to me, that that's my favorite Monkey Island game, and I think 
yeah, if I was to make Aviv play one mm-hmm. game, it'd probably be that one. I had way more fun with that game than I expected to, so I, I agree with your choice then. Oh, thank you. I'll have to, to say anything Sierra, really, because I love mm-hmm. the game so much. But in particular, yes, maybe... Yes, more people need to play Sierra. Oh, indeed, <laughs> definitely. But in particular, maybe the Space Quest games. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. One, two, three. I think I, I think the second one is my favorite. Uh, the puzzles are absolutely brilliant. They are merciless, but brilliant. <laughs> um, and the art is gorgeous. And um, the jungle of Labion, Labion um, mm-hmm. is beautiful. It's a great place to explore. So perhaps Space Quest 2 would be my pick. Or Space Quest 5, one, one or the other. I always really feel like I should play a Space Quest mm-hmm. game because people constantly compare Captain Disaster mm-hmm. to Space Quest. So, uh, yeah, eventually one day I will, I will do it. But you can't die in Captain Disaster. Yeah, with Space Quest, the, the difficulty is picking which one to recommend because I, I really sincerely love love all six of them. Um, yeah, two's a good choice. I, I, I guess I fall back on three or five. Mm-hmm. Um, depends on how much, I guess, the person can palette a text parser. So, Dave, with your influences being LucasArts-based, did, did you, do you have any, like, nostalgia or had you played any text parser games when you were younger? Um, back on the, the C-16, which is more years ago than I care to remember. Um, I do remember one called Williamsburg Adventure, mm-hmm. uh, which we never completed. And it was actually um, an EEPROM cartridge plug-in rather than a tape. And all oh. I really remember is if you bought the dinner, it said that hit the spot. And that's really my main memory of that, which is really bad. <laughs> I did try um, playing some of the Magnetic Scroll games on the Atari ST because... Obviously, the the big players in text adventures at the time were Infocom and Magnetic Scrolls. Right. Um, I just, I don't know. I just couldn't really get into them. Um, I suppose back in those days, the text passes was not really that complex and you got a lot of syntax errors as, as your response or, oh, I can't do that, that isn't here or something. So I never truly... Love the text adventure, to be honest. Right. No, fair enough. Because I've I've kind of been wondering: is it possible to to love text parser games if you don't have nostalgia for them? Yeah, good question. So far, the evidence doesn't seem to be. <laughs> yeah. uh, for for me, it was the the other way around. I first played uh, point and click adventure games, and much later parser games because I didn't know them at the time. And uh, mm-hmm. when I did. It was strange at first, but amazing later. Um, Ooh, not just because yeah. you could practice English that way, which was a mm-hmm, bonus, mm-hmm. but because it allows you a more immediate, I think, um, access to the world, which point and click mm-hmm. doesn't quite afford, maybe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're kind of locked into each area. And I guess, okay, so point and click might be good for hearing speech and then parser games might be good for practicing, uh, typing and, you know, context and all that other stuff. So I guess to be well-rounded, you really do need Sierra and LucasArts all in. Hmm. So Aviv, I was wondering, what yeah. engine are you using for Corruption Within? Um, I'm using Game Maker Studio 2 um, uh, because I thought it would be easy enough to learn how to code with it and uh usually it's 
it's uh, it's the case. <laughs> so you, you learned you learned how to, I've, I don't have experience with Game Maker. I was I was tempted to to use it because it's it's so it's so polished. It's got like a really nice user interface and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, I've never I've never actually used it before. Have, have you used any any other engines, or is that the only one you've ever worked on? That's the only one I've ever uh, worked on. Um, originally, I wanted to work uh, with the engine because you don't have to code in GameMaker, but right away I realized that to do more complex things, then you really have to do code. It's funny that it's that's how they get you in, I guess. So like, yeah, don't worry, you you don't you don't have to code, and then yeah, you kind of yeah. you get into it and quickly realize like, ah, all right. <laughs> but then if you want to do like kind of like a trial, yeah. Yeah, if you want to do like pathfinding for the character, so in Void Breach you have mm. a character that have to walk around the screen and avoid obstacles, right? So for this you do need mm-hmm. code. I don't know how to do it without code. I did consider AGS, um, because it does do certain things that GameMaker, uh, it does come with certain features that GameMaker doesn't. So for example, in, in AGS mm-hmm. you do have um, a built-in save system. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so in GameMaker, for example, I have to code it from scratch, and it's a, it, it was a, a bit of a headache. Yeah, because save games can easily get corrupted. Yeah, with AGS, you have the problem that if you have a saved game, and then you update the build, and you put anything new in yeah. the build, any new ints, files, balls, or whatever, then you won't be able to use the old saved game. So compatibility between versions on AGS is an absolute nightmare. Uh-huh. So... You you may actually find that you have less of a nightmare code in your own system because <laughs> if you ever have to make any changes to the game, you shouldn't break the save games that exist already. Oh, right. so that's one thing. I, that's one thing I don't have to worry about uh, breaking my own save games. Yeah, yeah. This, well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the save the the reset points in in AGS are a little finicky. The debugging is probably my biggest biggest complaint about it. It's it's. It's it's not ideal. I, I how about with with Game Maker? Like with with AGS, it's kind of fair enough to where if you teleport to a room debugging, it it, mm-hmm. it loads the characters based on the previous room, so it makes it really difficult to, to to debug in that sense. Do you have that issue with Game Maker? What is the problem that you mentioned with AGS? With with like debugging to like teleport <laughs> to different rooms and such like that, it it yeah. bases everything on the previous room. So if you teleport oh. to a room, it won't bring the characters you need with you necessarily. Oh, I see. Um, no, I don't think I have uh, this problem, but I do struggle with debugging myself. Um, there are two ways to follow, I suppose, variables in GameMaker. Um, one is a more professional way, or maybe there is a more professional way that I'm not aware of, but one way is to use uh, debugging messages and uh, another way is just to show stuff on screen, and um, you are you are not encouraged to show stuff on screen <laughs> because that's immature. But uh, that's the easy, easiest way to follow variables, and uh, when they flip, it's the easiest way to to know what's going on. But it is a struggle to follow certain variables when you you are not certain which object did the thing that you didn't want it to do. Right. Right. <laughs> 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 Why? <laughs> yeah, so how did that flip from zero to one? That doesn't make much sense. You know? Right, right. And how far back do you have to go to find out? <laughs> yes. Uh, sometimes it takes hours. <laughs> it's usually, usually the, yeah. the, the late night 
just throwing something in it at like two in the morning and you know you forget a closing bracket somewhere and it takes two and a half oh, hours to yeah. find where it is <laughs> <laughs> all right mates well unfortunately that's pretty much the time we got for uh for today but i wanted to to take a pause before we before we wrap up and say if there's any uh anything you guys want to like pitch or um yeah yeah just you know your, your twitter handles and and um steam pages you know stuff like that uh sure i have one published book <laughs> um and cool. published under the uh pseudonym jc linden um which i co-authored with a a um my partner from England, her name is Nergish, and the book is called No Grave for the Orchids. And uh, we're currently working on another novel, which we will hopefully uh, publish, well, whenever it's done. <laughs> and uh, on Twitter, my handle <laughs> is cosmic underscore void um, underscore. Beautiful, okay. And, you, um, and also don't forget people to bloody go on Steam check out Void Breach and Wishlist Corruption Within. Oh yeah, definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Dave, what do you got for us? Yeah, I've, um, I've even mentioned in books, I've got seven ebooks on Amazon, wow. if anyone's foolish enough to want to look them up, um, including two Captain Disaster books. No, in fact, sorry, three Captain Disaster books. So a collection of the short stories and one called The Damaris Touch, which is a, 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 what's the word, original. That's the one, that's an original story. And then one, The Dark Side of the Moon, which is based on um, my other Captain Disaster game, which is freeware. Oh. Uh, my Twitter handle is at IndieGameNews1 for no reasons. And uh, obviously on Steam... Um, I will be releasing at least one other game on Steam in the near future, apart from Corruption Within. But the weird thing with me is, in, in AGS, I love designing adventure games. I hate coding the things. So when I use AGS, I always make non-adventure games. <laughs> so I've um, got a couple of games that are coming out. Um, the Ancient Art of Staying Alive, which is just a, a survivor map, basically. You're this little blue blob that has to avoid touching any of the red blobs it's much better than it sounds <laughs> and uh, a turn-based strategy game called the rat pack which i'm well overdue releasing but i was kind of promised some artwork about a year ago to finish it up so i think i just need to get it released um but yeah yeah any anything really but if if people are obviously adventure game fans the captain's mm -hmm. disaster games uh, the mm -hmm. ones that they'll probably enjoy most. Yeah, no, I second. Yeah, it. lots of pop culture references, and I think you got some Pink Floyd references, and at least the the Dark Side one, a lot of meta stuff. It's actually pretty cool. Definitely get out there and check it out. It's good stuff. Thank you. And uh, the Dark Side of the Moon is free, so mm -hmm. I did the graphics myself. And once you play it, you will very quickly realize why. I always get someone else to do my graphics now. <laughs> um, but don't let them put you off. It's a fun game anyway. I, I voiced all five characters in that, so that was that was fun. Oh, um, I did a tried to do a version of Herman Toothrot from Monkey Island, who only appears right at the end of the game, and I'm still waiting to see if anyone thinks that that was any good or not. <laughs> I don't know if that means no one's completed the game or no one noticed or... All right, well, we, we've we've got your Twitter handle, so we, we're expecting feedback. Whoever whoever's gotten there, let them know how it landed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely check out Captain Disaster because if if you love Space Quest, you're gonna like it, and if you don't know Space Quest too well, you're probably still gonna like it, because because it, <laughs> it's you know it's, it's not necessarily you know a, a fruit from that tree or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a really good time. It's a really fun game. So yeah, guys, go check that mm-hmm. out. And um, yeah, well, thank you very much for being here with us, mates. We really appreciate it. Thank you for mm-hmm. having us. It was a real joy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, mutual. It was absolutely lovely. And <laughs> to the listeners, yeah, we're coming from, what, Canada, the States, Israel, and, and the UK. It's, it's a new record for us. That's, That's right. pretty cool. Bringing it to you. <laughs> <laughs> all on my all on my baud modem here. It's, it's just barely <laughs> It's a 2600 baud modem. Come wow. on. We got, we're running off the good stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so for the listeners, the, the usual, buddy, we're... Well, actually, first, thanks thanks for listening, you know. We uh, we appreciate that. I don't want to seem ungrateful, you know. Thank you for listening. It's, uh, it's starting to sound uh, like I'm talking down to them. All right. Buddy, I'm not going to I'm not gonna edit that. We're just going to roll with it. Check us out on Facebook. We're a page. We're a group. Uh, go to Facebook.com. Find the Classic Gamers Guild. Uh, jump in. Say hello. Uh, we're on Instagram at CGG Podcast. We're on Twitter. You could do us a bloody tweet at the CG Guild. Um, not with a question mark. You could send us an email <laughs> if you like, mail at classicgamersguild.com. Um, a huge thank you to all of our Patreons. Really appreciate you guys. Um, with, without you guys, I don't know where we'd be if we'd even be able to do this. So thank you for, for taking care of the hosting fees for us. It really helps out. Um, and a very extra special thanks to those in said tier. That would be Jay Holmes. And Mark Fillion, Jay, you're bloody amazing. Thank you for all your support. And to Mark as well, of course, please check out his game, Chinatown Detective Agency on Steam. While you're there, make sure you look at Void Breach, Wishlist Corruption Within. Check out Captain Disaster. I told you you got a lot of homework to do. Um, (laughs) And I guess that's it. I don't have any more things to yell at you. So do them things we said. Thanks for listening. And don't do a murder. Thank you.